0: Hello and
1: welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I am your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here as always with my wife and co-host, Catherine Weil Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine?
2: I'm great. How are you?
1: Doing so good. We're doing this in front of a live audience, in front of our four-year-old, or soon-to-be four-year-old who's up with us today.
2: So we got to go, go, go. We got to
1: go, go, go. And we're making a little intro to the podcast this week because we did something kind of special. Something a little unique for this episode. We did a crossover podcast with Crew Podcasts. That's Chappie Cottrell, who's the wine director of Barn Diva in Healdsburg, California. Super fun conversation, right?
2: It was awesome. So great to talk to somebody in Northern California and how he's going through all this. And also what great guests he's gotten to interview on his show. The podcast is awesome if you haven't. And checked it out, definitely do so.
1: Yeah, it's a fun conversation, and we talk about all things happening. Bo, just give us two seconds. We had uh, a great conversation talking about, of course, chillable reds, which is the highlight for us this week, and why people are so into chillable red wines. Also, we talk about the differences that are taking place in restaurants in Northern California and Southern California, some ideas for innovation for restaurants as we enter this new normal that I thought were really insightful and interesting.
2: We also had a fun conversation about wine packaging and what sells and why and how it tells a story about what's behind the bottle, what's in the bottle. I found that really fun.
1: And some nice history. uh, You get to tell your story. get to hear about his story in wine. So anyway, I think it's a really exciting episode. We did this over Zoom.
2: It was really fun for us to just do something different in this time. It's so nice to connect with people, and I'm finding fun connecting with new and different people as well. And so, this was a great opportunity. Hope you guys love it.
1: Without further ado, here's our conversation with Chappie Catrell from Crew Podcast.
0: How's y'all's week been? Our week has been been good. You know, we're this is week what six of quarantine. Hmm. For us. And so for most people, I'd say, you know, we talked about on an episode last week that we're kind of getting into some sort of rhythm of this new normal. And a lot of our existence is how to navigate the two kids that we have. Our kids are two boys and they're, uh, one's almost four, four in early May, and then 17 months basically it's
3: insane
0: it's insane, it's <laughs> I insane. Imagine. It's insane. <laughs> yeah
4: <laughs> on top of running a business
0: on top of the business we work together pretty closely on like how we're going to navigate the day so Catherine goes to work pretty much five or five days a week they're we're closed Monday at Esther's yeah. one shop now one like the
3: first couple of weeks it was six days now we're down to five days because I have our managers there can do it so like that's awesome for our family
0: huge um and so now like from 10 to 4 I watch the kids and then she'll come home right after that and she'll watch the kids while I make dinner and then um we'll eat dinner and then we'll do a bath put them to bed and then we'll sort of powwow about the rest of the week at Esther's how we're trying to navigate you know the new world order as we call it and then you know by that time it's like we want to do something fun it's like nine o'clock no it's try to go to bed <laughs> yeah. so, and do it all over again, you know? So that's our day right now. You know, it sounds like there might be some changes coming in the next month or two uh, in California, as you know, but it's that's part of the, the, the challenge is constant navigation of, of new normals. Like people are throwing new rules at you all the time. And I think people that are going to be able to navigate this are people that are going to be nimble and sort of accept, you know, these changes as they come and figure out how to pivot well.
3: Yeah, so our week, like, is um, trying to figure out new stuff all the time, you know, like, new routines for our family, what works, and then also like, okay, well, what, what worked last week, like, let's... Do some packages of wine this week. Okay. And then he is on the social media during the day while I'm at work because I can't answer the phone and be on yeah. Instagram and do all that. So he's on it at home and then will text me like, hey, somebody DM'd about this. Like
4: that's what great. price
3: is that? <laughs> because I don't like to put prices up there because I like people to call and ask and talk to them. Right. And so, he'll, or he'll say like, somebody wants to buy, you know,
0: these, you know. Yeah, you're trying to encourage it, conversation, right? Like, yeah. And it's
3: great. Yeah. Or he'll say, "Hey, take a picture of this or something." I'm like, "Okay," because I'm trying to like just talk to the people in front of me, and he's thinking about how are we connecting to the next person. Yeah. So beyond beyond our family, we're still like working in tandem, even when he's here with the kids. Has it been but, busy? Oh, like you know overall. What? People are drinking right now.
0: Yeah, they are. We're just happy that people are supporting us and, you know, and yeah. a, lot, a lot of small, like a lot of small, you know, restaurants that people love, people are stepping up to support. And you, you, I know yeah, you understand. feel that, people say that, and that's what we're lucky about. I mean, I think initially we felt a wave of people feeling, you know, the stress of the quarantine. So people were uh, looking for comfort and they found comfort in wine yeah and, and and now part of that is sort of like okay what's what's the next phase and the phase is like how do we make sure that these places that we love in our community stay afloat i will mm-hmm. say
3: our our the people the regulars that love us our friends our community they have been amazing in terms of calling us every week for their regular pickups or reaching out about like I can't do anything this week but how about I buy a gift card for a friend or they're always thinking of ways to help us and that's that's it like that's keeping us alive yeah yeah
4: did y'all have wine clubs and do to go and delivery and all that of wine before before the new norm
3: we did we had. we're on the we're on the apps like delivery apps Mm -hmm. we have but we had takeout anyway. And then I have a monthly wine club. And then we already had a wine bar and shop. So we did have retail mm-hmm. and food. And we shipped. Wow. Like I have shippers. Lot. I have a FedEx account. You know, like so now that was really helpful because even if they were they were like nowhere near activated what they are now, but they were there right which is really lucky
4: yeah setting yourself up for success and who knows what to come
3: <laughs> yeah
0: i will say this you know just to get
3: back to the original question
0: of how is our week we'd love to ask you know you're a guest on our show it's a crossover podcast and this is new to us we've never done a crossover pod this yeah. is the first time that we've done this. and we talked about a little bit last week about how our quarantine is craziness because we have the two kids and the wine bar and the retail shop other people's are very different you know I have a single friend who's by himself who's sort of going stir crazy by not talking to anyone. So Mm -hmm. what's your experience been like?
4: I personally have been really, really busy. I mean, I'm always busy anyways, but so before I moved to California in 2017 to like be in the wine industry full time, I was living in England and had a web my own web design company and my whole family's from England. So I was, Hey, I could, you know, I can do web design from anywhere. So I'll live in England. Your American
0: accent is incredible, by the way. I
4: know, it's great. I've been practicing for a long time. Yeah, good for you. Thanks. Appreciate it. (laughs) Um, But I was like, you know, I could live there. I can travel. I can, you know, go to Germany and Spain and all the places. You know, it's cheap and why not? If I have the ability to live in Europe, I should. Um, My whole family lives there. My sister lives there. Might as well. So being here full time in the wine industry, I kept. A lot of my web design clients just, you know, might as well, extra cash. Doesn't take me a lot of time to update a website here and there. But everybody obviously is going to online. And so I'd update all of their websites. In addition to, I'm like the most techie person at Diva, where I'm the wine director. And so I set up our entire e-commerce shop, like all that jazz. That's trying to figure out. Word. It's got
0: it's so much.
4: And we. How,
0: how quickly were you able to do that?
4: We had, like, a version one in, like, a day. Right. Um, wow. Because one, I'm, like, used to sitting on webbite, websites, so there's there's that. Um, but we used WineDirect before we had it anyways because um, we have a full retail license, too, which is awesome. So we would ship wine and we sold our gift cards through it and like event tickets to all of our events and whatnot so we already had it there i just had to set up a whole new shop and create the products and all that jazz but then we got more advanced We're like you know it's kind of slow we should like people see whatever ketchup pepe and they can read a description but if they see a picture then they might buy it so then we took pictures of everything and that boosted sales a lot so i did all that and then uh and then i was trying to figure out well Shoot. Like we live in wine country. Nobody's buying wine because they have stock pot, right? I, I don't buy wine anyways, but you know, all of our locals that are coming to buy food, we ask them, hey, do you want to buy a bottle? And they're like, no, we're good. We have lots. Like, well, that makes sense. So our wine sales are now zero, essentially. How do we pivot on the wine sales? And so... Oddly enough, have you heard of som.ai the platform? No. Oh, you should look it up. So essentially, the guy who started it, his name is David Kong, he reached out to me and he was like, hey, like I see you have a really, mm-hmm. really nice wine list. We just started this digital platform where essentially we take your wine list in PDF form or Word doc form, whatever form you have, we upload it to the site and it instantly converts it to every single line item, converts that into a product. And so you can just click add to cart and then the customer pays Psalm.ai AI, and then you charge Sanda AI's credit card. They pay you and it's been great, you know, and they're doing a lot of marketing on it as well. And so people are reaching out to them, buyers, and they're like, hey, so you have whatever, 2011 Terry Alamond, Cornas?" and then I'll get an email. Hey, how many bottles of this do you have? We oh, have eight. All right, I'll take five. So,
3: wow, so is it mostly for like seller stuff?
4: Mainly for restaurants. Restaurants um, that have like decent sellers, um, but I think anybody can sign up for it now. And you just upload a P, you know, PDF of your wine list and then it converts every single item into an item that you can add to your cart. And it also compares it to like other restaurants, like Single Threads on there and what else? I think like Per Se is on there and like Menreza and a bunch of other stuff, like all these amazing restaurants that have insane sellers. And so you can go on there. It'll say All of My Corn It has, says like an over average rating, like four point nine or whatever out of five. How many other people on the platform, how many other restaurants have this wine as well? Um, what's like the price point? Is is it like a little high than competitive to everybody else? What's the average? It has a lot of stuff, but I've been selling some wine to it, so That's it's working well. Cool. And That's if you can ship nationally, up. like y'all can, and we can, then it's even better. So That's
3: it's
0: cool, definitely boy. something to look into. Definitely. Well, we're glad you're busy. Funny that like, you know, we're not funny. It's great that your skill sets are kind of diverging in this time to help a lot of people. Yeah. Uh,
4: Yeah, it's it's been super helpful. And a lot of people are reaching out, which is awesome and doing more podcasts and stuff like this, which should have been doing anyways beforehand. But yeah, it's been great to connect with people and doing Instagram lives and those kind of chats and just talking about marketing and sales and how do we think about selling wine in different ways and all that because that's what people
0: need. You know, you talk about how to sell in the virtual world which I think is very cool for people out there that listen to our podcast as well They come from the wine world. I mean, I think for us, like our podcast is a little different like because we're more into, um, as you'll hear tonight, we'd kind of like to talk about what it's like to be married with two kids and run a business together, what that dynamic is like and then we do that each week by opening a bottle of wine. So, and this is a are drinking tonight. Mm.
3: Drinking this Las Haras Blue Blue from Mendocino County 2019. Las Haras, it is super juicy, chillable red. I'm so glad we got to introduce you to this wine, Chappie, because I know, I'm excited. I cannot keep it on the shelf at Esther's. Really? People, they love the Blue Blue.
4: It's pretty solid. It's fun packaging. It People well, are cool.
0: you, you're, you're, you live in marketing, you love the space, and we talk about it too. Like, I mean, you, you said it earlier about the pictures thing. And one thing that Kath and I are trying to do, and she can talk more about this, in our powwows and the post kids go to bed hour, we really believe in the idea of curating. We feel like right now people don't want to be thinking too much about the wines; they just want to like be curated some great stuff. Yes, and that's the fun part that I think that we have is like, what would be fun? What's like, what's a fun thing that people would be excited to drink? You know, while they're quarantined? And so that's part of part of what we do each week is just plan some packages that go together that we think would be fun for the customer to taste. And this one is an example of something that we think is super fun and chillable. We have a chillable red package. Catherine, you want to talk a little bit more about?
3: Yeah, this was in the chillable. I think both versions so far. And next week I'm going to have version three of chillable reds. They are just like, people are so into chillable reds right now. It kind of started last summer and then it just has been going up and up. We've had a chilled red on the list of esters for the last two years, I would say, because people just gravitate to that. And people ask sometimes, they're like, well, why? Why is it chillable red? Like what makes it chillable red? And it's not like a new thing, you know? People have been chilling reds for a long time, especially like Beaujolais or areas in Italy like Bartolino. But if it doesn't have crazy tannin and it doesn't have crazy acid, then it's possible. So, like, don't think about Barolo. Don't think about Bordeaux. Those are terrible ideas. They're going to taste more tannic and more astringent, but things like Pinot Noir, Gamay, Frappato, this is like more than half of this is Zinfandel. Reds that are either lighter or more like fruity and less structured are great options for chillable red. Because in summer, I mean, more people drink red wine than white wine and rosé, oh. you know, like yeah, totally. insane. So people who drink red want red in the summer, they just want it to be chilled. This is a perfect wine to do that with but they're all different kinds of wines um, you know, People used
0: to laugh at the, the person at the country club that would dip some ice cubes into their wines and this is just chilling on the outside not on the inside.
3: grandmother <laughs> would do that for years
0: <laughs> she put
3: ice cubes in her Merlot and there was something to that yeah. Especially good on with her the she was drinking
4: I mean that's a good point now like some of the Merlots coming out now that are super light and fresh and fruity and maybe a little bit more crunchy like it'd be great cold. They are great quality. Totally. Sounds like a good time to me. I'm ready for country club pours and ice cubes.
0: <laughs> exactly. We call them Malibu pours down here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, w- one part of the, p- the podcast that we do each week is we talk a little bit about the wine. I think this wine is a particularly cool story, especially for if you're you know, a fan of Hollywood. So if, if you're okay with it, we'll turn it over to Catherine and have her talk a little bit about this do wine. Yeah, I want to learn more. So yeah.
3: Las Haras is a project between Joel Bart and Eric Wareheim. And people know Eric Wareheim from Comedy. Tim and Eric show. Tim and Eric. And he has a couple different projects, but he's super into wine. And their goal with this project was to make wines with energy and balance, wines that tasted good with or without food, wines that were just easy to enjoy for anybody. And yeah, success. They did it. But they're based in Sebastopol and they source fruit, and they source from really thoughtful vineyards. This is all from seven different vineyards, all organic, except one is under organic conversion. They use native yeast fermentation. They age in a combination of steel and oak, and they don't add anything to it except just a tiny bit of sulfur, and this is a blend of Zinfandel, Carignan, a little Petit Syrah, a little Pinot Noir, and one percent Cabernet Sauvignon. What also with Blue Bloom is fun. Their labels are, su- or this label is super fun. Right. Um, it's made by a com- uh, somebody called Pizza Art, which they know what they're doing. And then they have they we had another wine in the shop that just sold out called Super Bloom, which had a beautiful label as well, it was just like full rainbow. It's super fun. So they're 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 com- what they're successful at is converting their philosophy about wine and what they want to make into their label, which is so great when people can do that. Like it just translate what you see on the label is what you're getting in the wine. And it was fun to read the the a little bit about this wine before we're gonna taste it tonight. Cause um, on the tech sheet on the website it says this vintage can make your homebound meal sing. It tastes like sparkles and bright summer fruit, just like happy wine. Happy exactly pizza,
4: what we need right now.
3: Pizza, you know, like or spaghetti and your canned pasta sauce or whatever.
4: Sounds great. Spaghetti, so, a little okay. canned pasta sauce and some of those frozen meatballs. I'm sold.
3: <laughs> done it's done yeah. and it's warm i don't know where you are but like here it's super hot so this is perfect
4: it's getting warm today up yeah, in the it
0: on california it seemed like it's going to be pretty warm so yeah, yeah we're in the 80s
4: summer yeah, summer's think, almost here
0: yeah that's what, and that's what we're trying to do on the podcast we talked about uh kind talked about this at a previous po- episode of ours but like what's you know what people are asking for at esters and it's like mineral driven whites chillable reds and so those are things that we kind of keep talking about, you know, on the, on the episodes that seems to be super popular. But I, I want to ask you one question about this as we, we're drinking it. Like you, you're a person that talks about marketing. How critical or, you know, when you, when you see wines come through, how critical are you about the marketing, the packaging of wines? Like what, what do you think about when you see people put their labels together?
4: So there's two sides to it, right? We don't have a physical retail space. And so I'm less concerned about how a label looks. Because in a retail space, the label sells it. If somebody's just walking through and they see a sexy label, they're probably gonna pick it up. Or it's cute and appeals to them, they're gonna pick it up, right? That's just how humans work. So from a purely on a list standpoint where it's just words on a page, you don't know what anything's gonna look like. And so I'm not too worried about it from that standpoint. I will say that I do buy wine based on the label sometimes just because it looks cool right? Like, I'm... We we do too. Everybody does, exactly. So, I don't know. I I think that, this is really bad to say, but I think that most, obviously, a lot of wine marketing is terrible, um, as we all know. Um, And I think a lot of that translates over into label design as well, just wine design as a whole. I think there's we're in a weird time where you have people like these guys they have fun and they know their personality is and like they have a good time but i think also people still feel that wine should be especially when you're making something like pinot or chard or no a noble varietal or Cab or whatever else like that it should be more serious and you know have a bit more sophistication which is fine that's totally a thing to do but if you look at you know A grocery shelf or a retail shelf of Pinot Noir they're all like white labels with some black writing on it and maybe like a logo that's about it it's like so there's no differentiation so how do you differentiate I think you just exactly what these guys do you take your personality as a human and how you speak and how you want this brand to be represented and you put that into the label there's no rules other than legally what you have to put on the label Otherwise, like, just have fun with it. Make it make it art or whatever else. You know, if you look at history, Mouton Rothschild has been putting art on the labels for years, centuries. Like, so why can't other people do that? You know, and who puts sheeps on a label? Nobody. That, like, you can barely even understand that it's a sheep, you know, or who puts Picasso's kind of style of painting on a, a wine label? Like, it's, it's odd, but it's fun. And it's some of the most expensive wine in the world. So,
3: yeah. I mean, I think of like it's a long-winded answer. La pergola torte or uh, mascarello, uh, Bartolo mascarello, or so many like you know that have been doing that, and those are they find a way to make it elegant, you know. No. not doesn't look like it costs $10, so, you know, they find a ma- way to integrate it. And it becomes iconic. Yeah,
4: that's the thing is like, either, like, essentially, you have the concept of paving your own path. You know, you're making whatever a cab from Napa. Most of the time, if you're selling in a retail setting, the only thing that's going to make you stand out is your label. And so if it's just this white generic label, then it's not really going to stand out. But I think there's also the antithesis, right? Of You look at somebody like Scarecrow, it's just a white label with a tiny little icon in the middle. And then you have to like get up close to see what it is. That's intriguing. You know, that minimalism and that, uh, you know, basicness um, or uh sauvage in South Africa. It's a completely white label and then a white emboss on it. And you have to like catch the light right to see what it says. That's fun. That's intriguing, but it's still very serious wine.
0: Yeah, I agree. It feels like someone's thinking about the entire beginning to end of the wine process.
4: Yeah. Like, yeah. The entire customer journey.
0: Yeah. Shows are taking care. The shows are thinking about the customer and their product all the way through, very completest. And in that spirit, as a person who hosts these shows, in the completest nature, what we like to do on the podcast is talk about pairings for the wine. So, can mm-hmm. I hear your thoughts on what you guys would think of as a pairing for this? Uh, obviously, great on its own. Yeah. But if there's some fun thoughts for food pairings, what do
3: you two think? They said on their website, Margarita Pizza, which will be great. Chubby said he wants that for calls. But outside, you could just grill up a burger. It would be so good. Mm -hmm. Um, This is just great for barbecue. It's great for spicy food, too, because it doesn't have a lot of tannin and it's cold. So if you got, like, you know, some takeout Chinese food, like sweet and sour chicken or something, like, Mm -hmm. simple, this would be awesome with that.
4: Like fried honey chicken, like coconut, korma, curry, that'd be good. Barbecued, um, barbecued oysters.
0: Whoa, whoa, right? I mean, you making barbecue oysters at home?
3: I, well, I
4: them. had them recently uh <laughs> <at laughs> is yeah.
3: doing that in yeah. quarantine. Yeah. You've got know. the
4: time, right? You've got the time.
0: <laughs> That's a very good point. That's a very so, good
4: point. I think that'd be so good. Or, um, Complan here are uh, in Napa Killer Wine Bar in Napa run by Master they have these insane duck fat fries and they i believe they're doing those for takeout mm-hmm. and duck fat fries with this would be
3: your fries I will say you right know what I, I
0: feel like fries are one of the hardest things to do to buy from the freezer aisle at your local supermarket we found some fries i don't know what the brand is
3: well we but- will not share it cuz it's <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, because yeah. actually went a couple weeks and there's a monopoly there. on the market. But I, we've now found some freezer fries that I think it would be nice to kind of rev up in the, in the spirit of what you're saying. Bacon fat, duck fat. We've just been throwing mm. them in, but now it would be kind of nice to juice them a little bit. Poutine them or whatever, you know, you want to Ooh, say. Um, poutine. Yeah. I love poutine. <laughs> so, yeah. And the last part of this, the wine question um, for this particular wine is, and you did this, you know, hopefully your, your local wine stores or local wine purveyors have this wine. But if you can't find this particular wine, how can we uh, get the regular customer to go out to their local wine purveyor and say, can you find me something similar to this? You guys have any directives or any thoughts on how someone could find something similar to this?
3: Always ask the person at the store, like, for their recommendation on a chilled red. If they give you, like, deer eyes or whatever, deer in headlights with that, then you got to start to look for a varietal, something that isn't crazy tannic, that isn't crazy acidic. Something like we talked about before. A Gamay, Propato, a lighter, lighter style zin. Even there's some Carbonic Sangiovese out there now. A lighter, lighter red with not heavy tannins. Cab Franc is so mm. bright chill. Yes. Uh, that, that's kind of an easier one. If people look for Cab Franc from the Loire, That'll probably be
4: good to go. Yeah. I was kind of thinking if uh, you're like walking into, I was thinking about the wine shop that was in my college town that had a half decent selection. Do you go in and basically say, do you have Zinfandel that's like under 14% alcohol? That's uh-huh. like a relative idea, right? Yeah,
0: yeah.
4: Um, Like Aaron Jordan has a new label called Day and it's all Zinfandel and it's like 13 and percent stunning how do you mm-hmm. spell that d-a-y uh but those are super tasty and really affordable like a hundred bucks on a wine list for the highest end so that's killer or uh as for like carignan carbonic carignan yes carignan's always
0: tasty
3: then this has this wine we're having tonight has both of those are the top varietals. it's in carignan
0: there we go well the other thing i want to ask about chilba reds for you two and then we'll get into some you know we'll zoom out a little bit more but do you think the Red? Uh, uh, re- trend has anything to do with the fact that people are, have been gravitating towards rosés and the, the movement towards more cooler temp wines has been popular so now chillable reds is just kind of being pulled in that direction?
3: I think so. Be, I mean the whole idea, the whole reason that you chill a white wine is because it makes it more refreshing, right? So that's the whole idea of all of this. It's like a just a more refreshing beverage. more refreshing wine so yeah I think it has to do with rosé I think everyone everyone wants just to make wine more enjoyable and fun too there's a sense of fun with it like that should be the point or something you know
4: yeah it's something that I've it's interesting that you say that and make like the rosé connection because what I kind of see is you have this like range I guess of Rose and Chilba Red uh, at far ends. So what's in the middle of that though? Maybe like an orange wine? Maybe, which like has had some popularity in like LA and Oakland and Brooklyn and stuff like that. Super popular. Um, up here, not so much because it's a little more traditional. But there's like there's also this next step, like a little bit towards rose, of like a heavier style of rose, like Taval, and nobody goes for it. Because they're like, oh, that's that's too dark. That's like rosé should be like salmon and very like oh, and pink. I'm like, Gabby. it's like the best rosé in the world.
3: Uh, You're so, preaching.
0: So we do an episode of the show <laughs> back in uh, in January called Catherine's Predictions for 2020, and she had two predictions. She felt like vintage wines would be more within reach.
3: she will be exploring different yes. vintages. for the that's
0: regular right. customer. Totally. And two. She felt like people would be gravitating more towards the darker-hued roses. Now, whether we see that or not, but that's a prediction that she's made for 2020.
3: I'm with you. And I'm you're on with board. you. Yeah.
4: I think they're amazing. Like, there comes a point of where you are making a rose so light that it doesn't have any flavor anymore, which is fine. That's totally a style and it's great. But at the same time, it's like, well, let's have some fun. Let's explore. Let's see what's out there. And, you know, and Taval, as a AOC, makes incredible rosé and it only makes rosé so there's a lot of fun I
3: agree I think of like cherosuolo we've had we had a cherosuolo on the menu for like three months two different ones because I'm like people need to know this it looks like a light red it looks like a dark rosé what is it you know and people were like at first and then it got this little following they start, you know some people started to get it so,
0: so, so are, we, are, we both, are you both saying that there's going to be a fusion this year? Because sometimes you say people come in for uh, rosés. You'll show them a darker, hue rosé, and they still want the Provence style.
3: Oh, they always will. Always, yeah, right? But, will people always also
0: liking, but people are also liking chillable red. So at some point, there's yeah. going to be a, a, a mind meld mm-hmm. where they're like, I like chillable reds, and I like rosés. Can I go for that darker colored rosé? Idea.
4: Oh, dude, idea. You do, you do a chillable red box. One of the bottles is a really dark rosé. It's
0: a good call. Mm-hmm.
4: So you're just changing people's perception because that's all that's it is. A really good
0: idea. Mm-hmm. I actually like that a lot.
3: And I like changing it from that way, not the not the lighter rosé
4: way. Yeah, because you're never going to change light rosé. Like no, that's no. always it's almost like a, gra-
0: right. a, like a a color grade box.
4: Yeah. Ooh, you know, that's like,
0: fun. yeah, a yeah. gradation box. Or oh, something. that's fun. Yeah.
4: That's a really good idea.
0: Yeah.
4: But like, uh, like re- I think there's like Reeve up here in Dry Creek. Um, I've been I love Reeve. so good, but their rosé has been getting a little bit darker and darker every year, which is fantastic. And for some people, I've noticed when I bring it to the table because they're like, "Oh, I love Reeve! Like it's so fun." But they've never had the rosé, and they're like, "Oh, that's like that's a little dark."
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's all. <laughs> uh oh.
4: Yeah, but they taste it and they absolutely love it because it's amazing wine. And it's delicious and yeah. it's approachable and affordable. And Noah and Kelly are amazing. So I like. Yeah,
3: like Monday like, to Friday, you know, like. Monday we'll give you a super light rosé by Friday you're drinking chilled red yeah. know? so like it's like that's a Monday, good idea get there
0: well I will say like Kevin we talked about this in a previous episode but like one one thing that's been fun during this time when we're all quarantining is that people have been as we curate wines for people people are willing to be a little bit more adventurous
4: mm-hmm. because they're
0: getting a, a package of three six twelve wines and they're saying you know throw something that maybe like pushes me a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I, I know Kat has been having fun kind of put, putting the packages together. I mean, you want to talk about... So
3: fun. I mean, like, a late, I, I have this week we have a white package that's like Sancerre in friends, So it's just minerally whites. And a lady called, and she's like, okay, well, I know I want the Sancerre, but I don't know. Tell me about those other ones, you know? And so I'm talking to her, and she ends up getting the thing, you know, the whole thing. But there people just want to... Try something new. They they have like this opening. They're like, I have time now to try something new. I don't need to have the, just the one thing I like. And they're like, well, I really like that thing you sent last week. Okay, I'll try these two things. See, and we, our website is not really like yours. We don't have like every wine online. So I talk to people on the phone all day, which.
0: This is what you encourage. I to love to all us I would like to
3: do. Everyone call me. <laughs> I love it. Um, She's a well, 1990,
0: yeah, 1994 like a teenager, you know, she just wants to get well, on the phone. I get
4: your hamburger yeah, phone. And... Talk
3: about <laughs> yeah. uh, seriously, I've got this big old cordless that I don't even know how to like change it to the other line or yeah, like it's, anything. it's terrible.
4: That's awesome. But it's
3: awesome. And then we just talk, you know.
4: That's great, but that's what being a sommelier is, it is, like that's That's what it's about. That's
3: what we want to do, right? We want to hang out at the table and talk to the people.
4: Yeah, I love that. I'm really curious, how have you been talking to people about wine during the quarantine and how it's differed outside of it? Like people, you said people are like a bit more willing to experiment, but they're like, the hesitation's still there. So how do you are like, give them the courage to be like, yeah, let's, let's get this box.
3: Well, I think it depends on the person, you know, some people like come with, okay, I like serre and I want five whites and you're like, great. So I'm going to put one serre and then I'm putting other things that I would put in if I was getting this box, like Sancerre and they're like, okay, because I have one Sunsare, I don't have five. You know? mm-hmm. So that just naturally makes people more open. They understand, they're like open to limitations right now. Right. You know, they're they're open to understanding, oh, you might not have that exact thing I want in that price. I'll, ex- I'll experiment. And that's been fun. That's funny to talk about, talk with people about, okay, you like some serre, what do you like for red? I think I like Pinot Noirs and Cabernets. I'm like, great. Okay. So, <laughs> um, dry reds.
4: That's a wide um, <laughs>
3: yeah. I'm like, dry reds. Yeah. Perfect. I've got plenty of those. Yeah. You know, so that that's fun because it's just like, great. I'll just fill it up. I won't pick anything too crunchy. You know, I pick like friendly. That basically says to me, friendly wines. Yeah. You know, it's just been fun interpreting.
0: Interpretating. There we go. <laughs> We're getting to the bottle of wine now.
3: <laughs> it's been fun um, interpreting. interpreting people's different. And some people know exactly what they want. They go to online to our PDF webs, web, you know, Page, version yeah. of the wine list. And they're like, okay, I want the Alain Grayot, blah, 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 I'm like, great. Okay, I'll have the Rene Rostang. I'm like, great. Perfect. Yeah. I have those. Um, but most people are like, uh, okay, I'll talk to you. That's awesome. Yeah.
4: It's really exciting, though. Because a lot of people in a restaurant setting, a lot of people are really scared to talk to a sommelier because for a plethora of reasons, whether it's they're going to try and sell me the most expensive bottle, they're going to try and sell me what they want to drink, or, you know, they're just not going to listen to me at all, or they're stuffy and pompous and all that jazz. But it's the same thing, you know, of talking to somebody on the phone and like, like what, what do you think? you know you don't call geico and say no i need this this and this you're like hey like you give me the best rate and like what do you think is best for me in this situation or like whatever else it's the same thing but i think there's also a lot of there's a lot of people that are hesitant to talk about wine because they think they need to know everything about wine before they go to talk to us on it's like, well, that's the whole reason we have a job because we're supposed to know I, what I things taste like. I agree
3: more. And I, and in a restaurant, it's like a public setting, and you're like with a person, or your family, or your date. You're like, you have to be on, and you're wearing. Maybe you're wearing uncomfortable shoes, and you've got all this stuff going on. But it's two thirty, and you're calling someone in your car. It's just different. Like you yeah. don't have to put on that pretense. You can be like, huh, okay, I just. Well, well, you know, I really like that Chilean Pinot Noir you got me last time. I think I like light reds. So you know, people just have their guard down a little bit. Totally, they're not. They don't have to be on in the same sense.
4: Yeah, I was talking to a guy earlier, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna get this Riesling," and I saw like this Barolo. Um, like, man, the page closed. Like, I don't, I don't. I'm looking through. I'm like, "Hey, this Rinaldi from O.A. is killer. You should get that." And he's like, "How much is it?" I was like, "This much." This much. He's like. Let's do it. All I had to say is, hey, you should get this. You know, it's yeah. well, a killer wine.
0: It's a great wine. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Two things to piggyback on that. One, you mentioned Geico on our business card. We call ourselves Esther's, the Geico of wine. So
4: I want one, so one I of those. those I want to frame it.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can have it. But we talk about this a lot on the podcast about, you know, this idea of demystifying wine experience. We want wine to be approachable, we want wine to be fun talk about you know the, la- the the labels tonight like you know the the wine that we're drinking tonight like katherine talks about this in multiple episodes where it's like don't be afraid just talk to people talk to people everyone there's a there's a stigma as you said everyone's trying to upsell you that's just not the tr- i mean maybe there's five percent people that actually do do that but really we just enjoy the fact that you get pleasure out of the wine that you buy mm-hmm. like that's all we, p- people are we're looking to do yeah and so katherine talks about this in every, almost every episode it's like talk to the person. Even tonight, it was like just. that's why I always say about like, if you can't find this one, how do we help set you up to find a wine that might be similar? And I think now it's just fun to have the conversation where I, I talked to Catherine about this a lot, where we, I, I feel like people just want to have some sense of trust. You mentioned the Rinaldi 08, like they, they trust you. So they, they're willing to go along for the journey.
3: Yeah.
0: So similar with Catherine, as a person who's kind of on the out, kind of the quieter partner of this, I just want people to realize like Catherine is in it to help you have a good time wants you to have a great experience with your wines and so we want you to trust her so that even if you don't like the wines we still learn something mm-hmm. you, you learn like oh that wasn't my favorite you know and she's like great like let's steer clear of that let's go in this direction can you tell me why you didn't like it perfect i now know that like that portion of my list is off limits for you and we're going to find things that you love yeah that to me seems like the silver lining of this time period for p- psalms and things of like this and, and actually the fun part For both both the customer and people in the wine world. Like, let's start to have a good dialogue about the things that we're buying. And
3: I think, too, like, every time I'm having this conversation with someone, I'm like, okay, what's your budget? Like, right off, like 100 okay, per bottle or whole thing. Totally. So, that's not like part of it, you know. Just tell me, Great, okay, we're going for 25 bucks, right? We're going for $60, whatever that helps. Because Absolutely, then that's mm-hmm. like you're not worried about that. You're just like, We're yeah. worried about finding you what you want. And I hope like people come away thinking sommeliers just are like, you know, matchmakers. That's what we want to be, right? We yeah. want to find the person and the wine that are meant to be together. Like, that's what we want to do. We don't want, we're not trying to make the sale.
4: And I think we're, we're slowly, even before quarantine and all this, I think we are slowly starting to see that. Um, let me think how, how to phrase this. I think on a high-end, like very high-end, speaking three Michelin star, I think you didn't see that at all, really. Um, I think there's one restaurant that I know of that did that, being single-thread, and they just, they want to have fun. They literally, they want to stand at the table for 10 minutes and tell you a story about this wine and this producer and how amazing it is. And that's it. You know, even if you bring it in for corkage, they're still going to tell you a 10 minute story about the wine that you brought in to their restaurant. Like it's, <laughs> it's amazing. It. Yeah, it's that's incredible. Awesome. But I think we we also started to see that with the rise of more casual retail food concepts like Esther's, like Helen's, John um, like Andre Houston Max, um, and Sons that he just launched in Brooklyn. It's smaller. It's more intimate. It's more fun. It's more casual. You have this amazing breadth of, you know at Anson's you can get like 80s and 90s Mayakama's cab and then eat like hot dogs like that's not a thing that traditionally has gone together at all Yeah, Um, you know and a bottle of Mayakama's 90s cab is like 500 bucks like that's a weird thing but I think we're slowly starting to see that rise of amazing people that have worked at incredible places like yourself of you know running Michelin star restaurants and whatnot and understanding that wine shouldn't be pretentious it should just be a really good time and if you love it amazing if you don't love it cool let's find something else like i'm probably gonna love this so i'll go drink it you know but just having a good time and understanding that it regardless of price point wine should just be delicious and it should give you enjoyment that's it you know whether that's five bucks or if that's fifty thousand dollars because there's everything there it's you know just have a good time
0: you guys both mentioned pedigree. I'm sure both of our audiences would love to hear the Cliff Notes version of your stories within wine. I'll go first I'm just a <laughs> piggybacker and a husband who basically peppers I'm, I consider myself the layperson conduit. I do have knowledge about wine it's not expansive, and I just want to ask questions that I think the person that everyday person would like to learn about wine that's me but I know our audience would love to hear more about your story and I'm sure uh, your audience might want to hear you know a couple sentences on Catherine's story. Um, 100%. Why don't you go first? Sure. Um, um,
4: so I studied fermentation science in college at Appalachian State in North Carolina. Is that where and you're from, North Carolina? No, it's a long, that's a long story. Uh, so I grew up yeah. in Cape Cod, or yeah. I born on Cape Cod, Massachusetts, grew up in Florida, went to school in North Carolina, moved to England, and then moved to California.
0: It's quite a journey. Yeah, it's a lot. From Appalachian Um, State to to, to England is is a journey unto itself.
4: Yeah. I mean, I bought a plane ticket and said, hey, I'm moving here. So to me, it's very simple. I've moved around a lot in my life. So I mean, but to most people, it's like, wow, that's a huge change. So after, during college, I worked at a vineyard winery for two years. Um, It was also the research facility for the fermentation science department at school. Uh, So I was working with a doctor from, uh, he went to Oregon State originally. And he studied fermentation science as a whole and chemistry and biology and all the super, super geeky things. And we had a pilot brewery on campus, made cheese, kimchi, bread, all the things. Uh, worked at the Vineyard Winery. Vineyard Winery was super cool. It was in North Carolina on the hillside of a mountain that's solid rock. And so we were growing like Cap Franc and Vidal Blanc and St. Croix and like, and Vitus, whatever the other thing is, I forget. Uh, but hybrid grape frittles. And then making the wine on top of that. Um, so literally saw every facet of growing and making wine, um, which is really cool. And then moved to England. And within that time frame of being a senior in college and moving to England, I had started a web design company because I started blogging about wine, oddly enough, and alcohol in general, specific to North Carolina. And then started a homemade barware company, e-commerce shop which didn't go anywhere. But people started catching on that I was building websites. And so they're like, hey, can you build me a website? I was like, yeah, sure. Um, So I started doing that and started building websites for people and doing marketing and all that jazz. Moved to England because my uncle owned or owns an agency there for the last 30 odd years, working with Lloyd's Bank and Virgin Media and big blue chip companies. So I was like, I can move there, work with him, apply his skill set and contacts and everything else to my business and basically build it out from there and understand, you know, how do I get from tiny little restaurants to larger companies, but when in Rome, you know, travel. So I went to Spain and, you know, travel around Sierra de Gredos and Madrid and went to Germany and went to the Rhine Faults and the Mosul and all the things. And uh, it was amazing and traveling through Southern England and that region. So I was like, I should probably just go work in wine and, I think kind of what solidified it was every other weekend for like a month, I was in London for some sort of wine fair. Um, And then I was in London for the real wine fair with Deirdre Heekin was there and Matthew Rorick and Andrea Beckham um, and Sam Bilbro, and Ashley Holland and all these amazing people. And I was like, this is super fun. And we went out to dinner at Terroir in London and we got super wasted and like all the things, right, that like – standard winemaker like dinner hanging out having a good time so i was like yeah i should probably just go do this so i got a job working harvest in sonoma county at a custom crush facility so i worked with jason kesner for a bit making kesner and kisser wines uh, we're going jeff gaffner making saxon brown a little bit of saxon brown um, but black kite mainly and then harvest ended got a job as a sommelier my first som job uh, at a place called Kavala point in sausalito And then on my 31st day, the wine director left to go to Meadowood and they didn't hire anyone. So it was me to run a basically $2 million a year wine department by myself of being a somme for a month. So sink or swim, figure it out, you know, go sell some wine. And I sold 23% over the last, I had the highest sales of the entire history of the wine program within like two and a half quarters. So I don't know how I did it, but we did it. So it was pretty incredible. But I lived in Healdsburg, driving to Sausalito. so I got a job as a wine director at Barn Diva, and I've been there for almost two years now. So that's that. long winded, but
3: no, it's a great story. Cool. It's a lot nice to get in there. Yeah,
0: yeah we, we we did one trip to, to London together. Seven, 14. 14, I think we were doing some traveling. Is right right the year before Esther's opened. Esther's was the lady year. We did some traveling both to France and Italy, and um, I think we went to Sager and Wild.
4: Um, so good, great.
0: Yeah.
3: Oh, fantastic, awesome. yeah.
0: Coming on yeah. some other places too that are fantastic, but that's bubble one. dogs. bubble dogs, bubble dogs made me think of like
3: <gasps> I don't know hot dogs. Well, that's it, all it, they it, have. it made
0: me think of you, and <laughs> the fact, because you're talking about like selling high end uh, wine with hot dogs, and that's literally what they do. It's just yeah. all champagne and hot dogs. Mm.
4: What For neighborhood is it in? Do you know?
3: No idea.
0: Central London, like um, I need to look that up.
3: Yeah, it was fun. It was really
0: hmm. fun. <laughs> Uh, our friend Joel Bernheimer at Domain LA took us off to that place, and, um, and it's a place that, that we that we really enjoy when we were back in London. But um, it's great to hear that story. Catherine, you want to give your first us version?
3: Yeah, so I want to hear this too. Oh yeah, because you don't know any of it. I for some of it. Um. Well, after school, we met in school. After school, acting school. Oh, you both we- went
4: to acting school.
3: Yeah, we both went a, to acting school. So, now cool.
0: uses her acting skills. Now uses videos line. on the Instagram videos <laughs> at Esther. So, check out the Instagram videos. And you'll know it's an MFA actor.
3: Yeah. Well, 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 good. <laughs> uh, it, is, it is helping me. Um, so, we moved to New York. I was trying to figure out what to do at the day job. We walked by this cute little restaurant in the West Village. And I said, oh, it'd be nice to work there. And he said, go and ask for a job. And I went in and I really had no experience. And the guy hired me. And I was so bad. I was terrible. August. It was called August. Beautiful restaurant on Bleecker between West Tenth and Charles. But (laughs) finally I got better. You know, they let me be a back waiter. And the sommelier said, if you really want to be a waiter, you've got to read this this wine Bible. And I was like, oh my God, that's so intimidating. And so it just sat on my bedside table and collected dust for probably five years. But I remember distinctly, that was the time when I started connecting wine with stories because for me, it's just been like, okay, whatever, you know, wine is something you drink on Friday night. You know, I didn't really have a connection to it, but he would tell these stories about Bouvray and the Loire and the city, and there are these castles, and it's this is the specific grape variety, and whenever you see Bouvray, that means Chenin Blanc, and I thought it was this mystical language I didn't know, and that was intriguing to me, and I love the restaurant. Unlike all my actor friends, I loved, loved my day job. And mm-hmm. so when we moved to LA in 2006, I got, I had to work very hard to get a job at a restaurant. Finally landed at Rustic Canyon a week after they opened. And I was a server there and they had a really big wine list. A lot of California wines and then classic regions of France, Italy, and just a little bit of Maine and the rest of the world. But a lot of stuff I did not know. And I dipped into that wine Bible. I was like, I've got to make this job work. And I started getting into it. Like we would have winemakers come visit us and do tastings and talk to us about wine. I would open that wine Bible. I would pick a bottle of wine, like, okay, I'm going to pick Sancerre. And I would open the wine Bible and read that chapter and Google the pictures and look at it and think about it. And I just was hooked. And a few, maybe two years or three years into it, I went to our owner and I said, I want to take over the wine list. He's like, do you know anything about wine? I'm like, yes, I do. I, you know, I've been reading and studying and I do. And so he's like, okay, well, let's see. And he sat with me for three months doing tastings. This is Josh Loeb, this is Josh Loeb our, the CEO founder of the whole Rustic Canyon family.
4: That's super ballsy.
3: And, and then he said, after three months, he said, okay. And so then I was a wine director. And I had no idea what I was doing. But Amazing. I you know I am a highly organized person in my professional life. <laughs> Debatable. <laughs> no,
0: I would agree. I think ru- I ruined it for you. So but... that
3: that helped a lot. Because all the other skills, like I already had, you know, I already knew how to do, like, Organize things in the cellar and made, like the inventory and all those things, and learning the ordering. And I just figured it out. And then they're going to open another place, Milo and Olive. And he said, do You want to do the wine list? So I said, Yeah. So then I was the, I did, wrote the wine list for Milo and Olive and was the assistant manager there. And I was the assistant manager and ran the wine list at Rustic Canyon. So I did that full time. Then we moved to New York because he got a Joe on Broadway and I quit everything. And I worked as a waiter and I was like, oh, this will be a good time to get like my certification. So I took my psalm tests that summer and passed. And so that was fun. And then we moved back and I had no job. And I was running the marathon with the CEO, founder, Josh Loeb. I was like, wouldn't it be so great if there was this place where people could go buy wine and they could hang out too. It was like wine bar and shop and blah, blah, blah. And he called me up one day and he was like, Hey, you want to come look at this spot with me? I'm like, sure. And we went and looked and it was not right, but he was like, I I will do this with you in the next five years. And I was like, okay. He's like, write a business plan. I'm like, okay. And then a week later he called me. He's like, want to go look at this spot? I was like, sure. And then we looked at it and we had to do it. It was Esther. So it was like, the, what it is. It's such a special, special place. So they're like, okay, and I'll get a job in wine retail. And so I started working at Domain LA and I worked there for two years while we were planning Esther. So I would like know something about retail and Jill Bernheimer is the owner there. And she absolutely knows what she's doing and she understands her market and she's a great buyer. And so I learned a totally different side of the business. And then we opened Esther's and so now I oversee the list at all the Rustic Canyon spots and I've opened the list at Casilla, I opened Bertie G's, Halula's, which has been fun because they all really have their own personality and then I oversee the sums at each of the spots but they really like we hired awesome people like they they know what they're doing you know so it's like just so collaborative and fun with them Um, and usually we just do group tastings together and now we're not doing any of that but uh, anyway yeah that's amazing yeah that's the story and now i'm at Esther's making
4: making phone on, calls
3: taking on the uh yeah <laughs> talking about <on> the cordless <laughs> but it's fun because you know unlike kind of what i was doing three or four months ago which is sort of thinking about the big picture for everything i'm just talking to people about wine now and i told him i'm like you know what i'm gonna be a way better buyer because of this because i'm talking to people all the time mm-hmm. and, Dear God, I never knew that people like Sauvignon Wong so much. Oh my God. People.
4: It's insane.
3: Love Sauvignon Wong.
0: Well, you bring up a question that I wanted to ask you, which is we're all trying to survive. And we're all trying to, all the restaurants are just trying to stay alive. But what has the restaurant or the restaurants in your area learned from this experience? Will retail become a possibility from some of these restaurants? Like, what's the next step for you all as a restaurant?
4: Um, I think as a whole for sonoma county um what i've been seeing a lot is quite a few people are doing takeout which is amazing um or not a lot of people are doing delivery i think there's two restaurants in hillsburg that are doing delivery and another one but a lot of people are doing takeout a lot of people are doing a kind of family style meal model where it's whatever like a hundred bucks and it feeds four people. So it's 25 bucks a person. And that works really, really well. Um, A lot of restaurants are selling out of that every day. Healdsburg community is very different to a lot of places in the world because it is very, very small. It's very tight knit. But I mean, it's just a matter of fact of, there's also a lot of very wealthy and very successful people here. You know, a lot of people from SF and they move here because they have second homes or they're retired or whatever else. So there's a lot of money to stimulate the economy, which is, you know, different so there's that but we've been busy Um, we individually have been doing an a la carte model which is what we do anyways as a restaurant and we've been we have a brand new chef his name is Jordan Rosas he uh, was most recently at Somni in LA and he's worked at Bouchon and a bunch of other places and he's absolutely amazing. He has like the best personality of a chef I've ever met and he's super creative and fun and open to ideas and whatnot. So we've been playing with fried chicken sandwiches and we've perfected it the number of emails that we've gotten that this is the best fried chicken I've ever had in the world it has been amazing um, and all kinds of other fun stuff. Like we put on Julia Child's like beef bourguignon and it's selling out every day. So, Ooh,
3: order that, that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
4: The amount of butter. Deliver, oh, my God.
0: You delivered to Santa Monica?
3: Yeah.
4: Yeah, maybe. Uh, it's possible.
3: <laughs> I might be able
4: to write that off on the business, right? So, um, yeah, we're doing that um, from a wine standpoint. Actually, it's odd that we're talking today because tomorrow I'm launching uh, a wine club. So, every month there'll be three bottles, 75 bucks. It's focused on sustainability as a whole. Um, I think a lot of people start talking about natural wine or organic wines or biodynamic or sustainable wines. Um, but for me, sustainability, my my degree literally says um, a Bachelor of Arts in sustainable development. So for me, sustainability is, it's good for the environment it's good for the people that work there and it's good for the business. So a sustainable wine that is healthy and an It's not full of stuff, but it's delicious and it's a really good value. Definitely the wine quality that you're going to get is way above the price that you're going to pay for 75 bucks for three bottles. Uh, So we're launching that tomorrow. Yeah, that'll start shipping May 5th, which I'm stoked about. But I'm also launching tomorrow a daily wine texting. So every day I'll text you a deal of a specific wine um, and then you just text me back how many bottles you want. So you know, the first day, I'm sending the invitation tomorrow. The first day will be Friday. I'm sending out 2017 Julie Laid GSMV from Shaker Ranch, And it's like 30 something bucks. So that'll go out with a little graphic about it, a little description. And then you text texting back, hey, I want four bottles. And then I'll charge a card. How you like the invitation, you sign up on our website through like Wine Direct has various clubs. You sign up, put in your details, put your credit card details. I don't charge you anything once you put that in. I only charge you when you say, hey, I want four bottles of this. Charge you, and I'll ship it to you.
0: you. You bring up sort of the way the sustainability is something is important to you. Catherine has been working very hard over the past six months to transition the wine list at Esther's and to all of the rest of Can Groups to you, you describe describe the process of what you're trying to do with the with all the, the programs
3: well everything i'm kind of starting this initiative called farming matters and so the baseline for the whole program is everything is from chemical free vineyards I, i.e iie practicing organic but then we're highlighting i mean this is was the plan it's a little bit it can
4: delayed. still be the plan
3: it is yeah. the plan it's just It's a delayed plan. It's moving slower than
0: other Yeah,
3: highlighting on the menu everything that is organic, biodynamic, dry farm, no-till, and regenerative farming. So everything has its own icon. All the icons are like next the wines, like at esters. Each icon has uh or each farming method has its own sticker that color bottles yep. exactly there's and yesterday was supposed to be a day where i was hosting a huge panel on regenerative farming at Casilla with mimi castile and brian mcclinton jordan mckay and it Amazing. was gonna
4: be awesome yeah, i'm so jealous but
3: it's gonna happen next year so you can come <laughs> <laughs> so i
4: had dinner with jordan mckay recently and he's he's a fun guy
3: He seems fun, and um, anyway, it was going to be great. So it's going to be great next year. But that's where the whole program is going—to just like, like you were talking about before. People want to talk about natural wine. I love that idea. It just doesn't sometimes mean enough. Yes. Um, Organic, but it's not enough. It's not telling me all the things. And so, really, a focus on the farming is at least talking about how involved that producer is with their vineyard, what they're doing. And um, yeah, I'm excited about super farmers.
4: And it gives, it gives a tangible thing, right? The, the, my biggest issue with natural wine is, pu- I mean, still like with any of these words of natural, sustainable, organic, biodynamic, regenerative, whatever, people don't know what they mean because there isn't a clear definition, particularly for natural. There's not a clear definition. You know, you look at any food that's just as natural on it, they can still use hormones and antibiotics and chicken right like and it's natural it's like well it's walking on the ground it's natural it's like well that's not true so i i love that i think being able to give somebody a tangible thing to hold on to of like essentially getting to like in layman layman's terms of hey drive past this vineyard and if it's like completely brown and dead underneath the vines probably not the best but if it's like full of life and wildflowers and stuff or like there's grass everywhere it's looking pretty healthy and i mean mimi castile is
0: obviously she
3: she knows exactly what she's she's talking about she
0: is eric asimov from the new york times last week wrote an article called france defines natural wines but is that enough the subtext being the wine industry and consumers have long sought a definition but the adoption of a voluntary charter may not clarify anything. So it's just, there's a conversation that's happening within yeah. the wine world all the time. It's picked it up by the New York Times. So yeah. it is nice to have some sort of, you know, even for you to tangibly define it is, is I think, you know, It's amazing. Important.
4: And I think there's, and I love that you're doing this too, because I think there's been for the past, maybe five, probably like five odd years. Um, there's been, there's been people like foreign cinema and SF where they label things organic and biodynamic. Um, which is fantastic. I think if you have any sort of labeling, it's amazing. Um, But it doesn't go as far as like getting into regenerative and everything else, like all the labels. But then there's been like the opposite side of like just a wine bar or restaurant that is natural. And then like the breakdown within that is like clean, funky, extra funky. It's like, well, that doesn't define natural for me. That just means like this wine wasn't made right whatever you know
3: style or how somebody exactly tasting it or enjoying it that doesn't have anything to do with how it's made exactly
4: yeah so i love that i'm very excited to see more about that
3: sometime (laughs) (laughs) Right,
0: when we get out of survival mode
4: yeah so Um, usually towards the end of a podcast you guys talk about inspiration for the week right
0: yeah we talked about yeah one thing we try to you know talk about one thing that's been inspiring us each week I'm going to go first. Please, I was thinking please. about what's inspiring me this week, and I'm going to go uh, say, I don't know if I said this before, but it's the Santa Monica Farmers Market, and I want to say why. One, we've been cooking at home almost every night, and so to have the ability to still contact these farmers, we did one CSA with County Line Farm, um, which is awesome. But we've been going to support all of our local farmers that we would, that well, we would support. You know, in normal times, we're continuing to do that. And the employees of the farmers are still showing up each week to provide us with world-class produce. And it's been fun to try new stuff. I'm I'm not that savvy with fennel, but I'm using this opportunity like some people are, are with wine. Like, let's be adventurous, let's try some things that I haven't tried before. So that's been fun, and that's a cool shout out to Santa Monica Farmers Market. But the second thing I'll say is they've done an incredible job with the safety. And the health and awareness to not only the employees, but also the guests that come in. Past few weeks, you know, I've had to wait in line. It's like a bar. You know, it's like a, a, a one-in, one-out situation. You know, they're doing a very good job about handling the, the capacity of the people that they bring in. Um, you know, everyone's got to wear a mask in Santa Monica, the employees and the customers. You know, every, every vendor is taped. And it's like one person in. There's you know, clear delineation of like where you're supposed to stand. you know, it's, it's a new world order, but like I think everyone that goes in feels safe shopping there or should feel s- safe when they shop there because the at least the markets – cons- there used to be multiple markets, for those of you who don't know the in Southern California area, multiple markets within Sa- Santa Monica and the West Side. They consolidated to the one master market, the big market down in um, Arizona but like they've integrated it really well. It's really thoughtful. And I've just been impressed. Like it's been a pleasure in these tenuous times to go there and still see familiar faces and, and, and find like the food and a, support farms, but also find great food for, you know, your family. So I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Santa Monica Farmer's Market. Catherine, you, you got one?
3: Okay, I'm sorry, you're not gonna like this, but I have more poetry. I'm not okay. gonna say the poem because I've done that already. Well,
0: I will say this, you've been you've been working you you you've been quoting this poem to both of our kids.
3: Well that to myself. That's what I do during quarantine <laughs> is memorize poems. Um, as well. but anyway, it's like so springy outside, and all I think about is Robert Frost and springtime poems and um, Uh, reading rereading different poems in that anthology and uh prayer for flowers i think is the name of the poem i've memorized the whole thing by now and i should hope so but it's a wonderful poem about springtime and taking joy and happiness in the things that are immediate and happening in the natural world and not worrying about the things that we can't control
0: are you going
3: to recite the poem? No. You have to
0: recite the poem.
3: Well, now I have to. You've
0: teased us with the memorization. You have to recite the poem. We're already
4: way over an hour, so you might as well.
0: Yeah,
3: exactly. Okay, well, you can cut this out.
4: No. I'm More long form, the better.
3: Um, oh, give me pleasure in the flowers today. And give us not to think far away as the uncertain harvest keep us here. All simply in the springing of the year. Oh, give us pleasure in the orchard white, like nothing else by day, like ghosts by night. And make us happy in the happy bees, the dilating swarm around the perfect trees. And make us happy in the darting bird, that suddenly above the trees is heard, the meteor that thrusts in with needle bill. (laughs) (laughs) the meteor that thrusts in with needle bill and off a blossom in midair stands still for this is love and nothing else is love that which is reserved for God above to sanctify to that to what ends he will to which the needs to which he that only we fulfill. I may have- Well, paraphrasing. it. A paraphrasing. it. so sorry, take that out please. No way, anyway, no I'm way. I'm so obsessed with that poem right now. I'm so close. Well,
0: thank you. <laughs> I love it. That was fantastic. It's the 21st
4: century, I mean, you can do whatever you want, right?
0: Exactly, I mean, look at this MFA at work right here. Killing you know. it. Absolutely, well. Yeah.
3: Anyway, it's a poem about taking joy. So,
0: we'll take joy. Yeah. Well, Chubby, you got anything for us?
4: A couple things. Uh, I went for a drive recently last Tuesday on because I just needed to get out of the town and house and work. I drove from Healdsburg all the way up to Fort Bragg via Anderson Valley, and it was gorgeous. It was like 70 degrees and sunny and beautiful. And then I drove back down the coast on Highway 1 from Fort Bragg to Goat Rock Beach, which is essentially like The parallel from on the Sonoma Coast from Guerneville into like Monterio, like the following, basically following the Russian River back to Healdsburg. Um, And that was stunning. That was amazing. Very inspiring to see Mm. basically no one, which is wonderful. Um, But also just the ocean and flowers because it's all the wildflowers are out. So that was amazing. But two, I think just like the community and seeing what people are, doing as a whole, the wine community one. Uh, we talked about Reeve earlier, but when Noah and Kelly are doing with donating thousands and thousands of bottles of wine to people, to hospitality workers and healthcare workers and whatever else and, you know, restaurants to say, like, they did something with Mr. Jus recently and, you know, everybody that buys a meal gets a bottle of Reeve or whatever it was, you know. Stuff like that I think is incredible and just the hospitality and the love and care but I think the fact that people are out there supporting businesses and having a good time and for me experimenting with trying things you know uh, people that weren't willing to get in front of a camera before whether that's zoom or instagram live or they didn't even know how zoom worked or what it was but now they're figuring it out you know that necessity of driving innovation and driving what what we actually need to survive and i think we're realizing that how important that human connection is even though many of us are like god i just don't want to be around anybody and not like i just want zero contact but we're realizing after six weeks of zero contact like i need to go like give somebody a hug and talk to somebody and spend some quality time and make dinner and laugh and drink and have a good time so i think just seeing that and how people are adapting and supporting each other is pretty inspiring.
0: I would agree. I think that's very cool. I think it's despite all the, a lot of sadness, a lot of fear, but the, you know, there is something kind of interesting to watch how, you know, human nature shifts and you get, get out of rhythms and habits and things like that and see what comes out of that. So that is potential silver lining. Now, just to piggyback on your first point, you know, LA is a terrible city to which to drive. Yes, it and is. we We've done some deliveries, Catherine and I have, and, like, it's been such oh, a, you know, I guess talking about su- silver linings, what a pleasure it is to drive across town right now. I bet. Uh, yeah, so that's, I, I understand the joy of, like, kind of getting out and seeing the world a little bit. But, yeah, that's it. Um, I like it.
3: Yes. Also,
4: this wine, delicious.
3: Just super quarantine wine.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, thanks for thinking of us for this. It's Thank you so great much. Great to for out to you. Yeah. I mean,
4: being willing and being flexible
0: and hanging out. Please. Awesome. Thanks,
4: yeah.
3: That was yeah.
0: super fun. Thanks a lot.
4: Likewise. Thanks for Bye. chatting. Bye. Bye.
0: Bye.
1: All right. That's it. Thanks to everyone for listening to episode 30 of the podcast. 30 wow. episodes in. We've done it. Oh, my goodness. Excited for the next few weeks of episodes. Catherine, where can they find you in The Long Finish on social media?
2: You can find me on Instagram at Catherine Weil Coker and The Long Finish at The Long Finish. And you can find us both on Facebook, The Long Finish and Catherine Weil Coker.
1: You can find the long finish on Twitter at Pod. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tug Coker. Thanks to everyone for listening to today's episode. Thanks for listening to the entire series, and we look forward to bringing more episodes to you in the coming weeks. Until then, everyone, stay safe, practice social distancing, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you soon. Happy drinking!
2: Cheers.